I just got a text from Will and an audio file. Will is the man. Game seven, progressive field. The World Series. Should we do it now or after the picks? Let's do it after. We'll do it after the picks. Okay. So, yeah. Stay tuned for Will live from Jacob's Field. Progressive. Progressive. Whatever. All right. He's he's there at Game 7. Hey there. My name is Scott Duvall, and you are listening to Episode 64 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. Georgia faces off against Kentucky this week in a battle of mediocre SEC football teams. So, needless to say, Tony and I were looking for a few distractions during this recording instead of having to talk about the dogs versus the cats. And we got that, because one of those distractions was talking a little Game 7 of the World Series, which was taking place during our recording of this show. Naturally, we all know that the Cubs took down the Indians in a thrilling 10-inning game, but our third co-host, Will Leach, was in Cleveland in the press box covering the game for this podcast. Well, not really, but we like to think that. So stay tuned till the end of this podcast when Will makes his historic Georgia-Kentucky football prediction live from Game 7. And as always, Tony and I talk the good, bad, and ugly of the Georgia offense, defense, and special teams. So stay tuned. Let's get into the show. So it's Kentucky week. Uh, This is Tony Waller. That's Scott Duvall over there. Will Leach, of course, is in Cleveland for Game 7 of the World Series. Future podcast listeners, don't tell us how it ends. Uh, We're going to go home and watch it, or I'm going to go home and watch it, because, you know, somebody's getting a championship, and somebody's going home and being very sad. So you said that in case people that are listening to this think they're listening to it live? Just in case. You never know how people are. Yeah. Yeah, I could see somebody might get confused. My wife would get confused about that. I don't understand. It's like, you downloaded it last night. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Yeah, so Will is at Game 7. Cubs are winning right now. You said one uh, last I look, one last nothing. you looked is one nothing. I'm let's sure the videotape. I don't think it's a secret to anybody. Will is actively pulling for the Indians. Do you think so? To win. Uh, well, you know, he's a journalist, so he's not actively pulling for anybody. But I know in his mind, he would much rather see the Indians be victorious than the Cubs. So I haven't picked up on that at all. Well, I mean, he's a Cardinals fan. That's a joke. Oh, okay. So, no, yeah, it's a joke. He, maybe maybe he keeps I'm talking one of those about guys. the Earth spinning off its axis. <laughs> maybe I'm one of those guys that would think the podcast is live. Then since I just didn't get that. <laughs> So Scott, you know, I'm not an apparition. I'm 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 You're actually I'm, here. I'm in full 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 <laughs> live color. Here. So so, so we can speak for Will. We can speak opinions. for Will in his opinions. He hates the Cubs. That thing that's all you need to know. Yeah. And, and my guess is he's going to be a Cleveland fan the rest of his life if they beat if they beat the Cubs. See, Tony and I are in a fantasy football league with Will and Will is the commissioner and he sends out an email every week kind of recapping uh, how everybody did, and he did say in that that he, if the Indians won, his first tweet would just simply read 109. Which is, is, is that's quality level troll. <laughs> this is quality level troll, and, and look, Will's not, uh, Will's not one to troll. He really isn't. I mean, he's very upfront, but 109's pretty savage. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty savage, especially like literally as the fireworks going off in Cleveland Progressive Field. If it works out that way, they tear down the north side of Chicago tonight because, you know, they finally won something of consequence. Good for them. Right, right. Would it be similar to like an Auburn fan tweeting out something like the number 36 since it's been 36 years since we won a national championship? Uh, it would be like, I'm trying to think of something comparable. It'd be like an old Miss tweeting, an old Miss fan tweeting out. Or Clemson fan tweeting out to South Carolina, you know, never or whatever. Right. After they, <laughs> yeah. Or whatever, I guess. I don't know. It's, I mean, but, you know, the, the Cubs futility is storied, but let's not pretend like the Indians have had all this great success. One thing I'm worried about is if the Cubs do win it, they're going to turn to Boston fans. Boston won it in 04. They were the lovable losers. And then they just came <clears> like <throat> how the Patriots fans are, you know, insufferable because aren't then they, they won it again. Aren't they already kind of like Boston fans? Yeah, no, okay. they are. All right, let's they see. are, but but people rooted for Boston because they hadn't done it, and they wanted to see him do it, and then they did it, and then it's like they did it again a couple of years later, thanks to Theo Epstein, and now they're just the insufferable Red Sox fans. Yeah, and there's a ton of Red Sox connections, too. Uh, Terry Franconia is manager for the Indians. Of course, you, you mentioned the Wonder GM and Theo Epstein. You know, David Ross, who's a starting catcher. I like David Ross because uh, so, he was with the Braves. Yeah, there you go. I heard a story at the beginning of this year – because Jason Hayward came up through the Brave system, and he was a rookie, and David Ross was on that team. And David Ross is a mentor to Jason Hayward, and, and they ended up in Chicago together. So Jason Hayward knew that David Ross was going to be entering his last season, 2016. He's going to hang it up after this year. And so he took it upon himself 
to, and he's a big family man, David Ross, and he took it upon himself to buy, I guess, suites and hotels of every road series that they were going on this year so David Ross's family could travel with them to all the all the away games. That's how much Jason Hayward thought of David Ross, or still thinks of David Ross as a mentor. Yeah, So right. that's why I root for David Ross. So you're listening to Waiting Since 7.35 p.m. last night, which is a baseball podcast. <laughs> and right. We do sound like a It's been five minutes, and all we've talked is Cubs, Indians. I think, I think that's our very artful, and uh, I think our psychologist was to say a way of deflecting what we're here to talk about. That's a good point. Which is, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm going to have some stuff to talk about with Dr. Goldstein. But... Georgia, Kentucky, Saturday night, 7.30, Commonwealth Stadium. I'm going to be there. Uh, if you're listening, uh, feel free to tweet me. Where are you sitting? I don't know yet. I'm, I don't have tickets. Oh, I'm, I'm sitting in Section 11 or 12, wherever the Georgia band is. That's that's my MO for for the Kentucky game. I'm, I'm going to get around pretty close to the band, as close as possible, uh, no matter where I have seats for. Um, <laughs> but you know, we're staying right, really close to the stadium. We're going to walk, uh, be able to walk to the stadium. Same place we stayed a couple of years ago. If you were, you know, were, had fun coming to the house last time, imagine what it's going to be like. That was a noon kickoff. Imagine if it was seven thirty kickoff. Seven thirty. Yeah, we're gonna have fun. I can't wait. Well, it's a good makeup for your road trip to Ole Miss. It it. Well, I had a great time at Ole Miss. I other know, than you, the three you hours were doing of ball breakfast game. with the Bulldogs. Then yeah, it was pretty early. Um, yeah. So if you come, it's not going to be quite as awesome as our Ole Miss tailgate where we were literally beside the band in the Grove. But we're still gonna have fun and. There's also going to be a football game. And speaking of that, the last time Georgia was in Lexington was two years ago, coincidentally. No, that's how often we play them. That was, that was kind of like a <laughs> joke. <laughs> They're there every other year. Anyway, we are belaboring the point. But last time they were there, they won 63-31. to 31. And also interestingly for the Bulldogs is that they have won six in a row over Kentucky. Name another team that we have a streak that long against. We used to have a lot of like double-digit streaks. There, there are no streaks left anymore where we have multiple, multiple wins. We had one against Ole Miss. We'd won, what, 10 in a row? Cumberland. <laughs> that was Georgia Tech that put the big number uh, on Cumberland. No, but but ser- in all seriousness, we don't have any streaks versus any team. So it is That we play regularly, that yeah. We play, that we play regularly. So it's pretty imperative that we continue and make it seven in a row over Kentucky. And, Tony, how are we going to do that? Well, before we get to the how, let's talk about just how what's at stake. Georgia's four and four, which means we are with four games left. Four and four with four games left. We have to be six and six to make a ball game. I don't think we can count on five and seven and the APR. Why would you want to go to a bowl at five and seven? Because you want the practices. Yeah. Uh, yes, I sound like a Purdue or Illinois fan, but you know that's where we are. But six and six gets us there without a doubt. And here's the thing about it is that. We have UL Monroe or UL Lafayette or UL somebody. Um, and Lafayette. Lafayette. So, you know, you have to think we're going to win that ballgame. That means we have to win at least one of Auburn. That looks tough. Yeah, go look at some stats. Georgia Tech, who is beatable but has played pretty well and their defense looks better. And Kentucky. Now, let's talk about Kentucky. I know that Kentucky has gone on a little bit of a streak here since they lost to Alabama. They beat Vanderbilt 20-13 to in a game that looked a lot like our game, except for we didn't give Vanderbilt – they didn't give Vanderbilt 10 points. They beat Mississippi State 40-38 to in a game that was back and forth, and Mississippi, for some reason, just gave up on the run, even though it was working really well. And then they beat – uh, Mizzou last week, 35-21 to 21 in a game that probably wasn't that close. Although, again, th- they kept running the Wildcat, and Missouri was like, you know what, we're going to let you run the Wildcat. We don't think you'll put Stephen Johnson back in and, and throw the ball again. Yeah. And you know what they didn't do? <laughs> they <laughs> didn't do that. So, you know, I, and we'll talk about the keys of the game in a minute, but it, while I'm nervous about this game because I think any, any St. George fan would be nervous about any game we play the rest of the season – I'm not apoplectic over the thought of losing Kentucky. Now, if we lose Kentucky, I'm going to be apoplectic. And, and here's, the, here's, here's the reason why. Our path to a bowl just really got narrow. We need this game. we we got to have this game. Well, it's a path to the Birmingham Bowl. Or, or, or Liberty Bowl, or maybe even combination of tax, not tax there. We won't go back there. Belk, Music City, whatever that tier is. Well, um, if, if they Liberty, win the last four games, then you're talking Belk, Music City. If they win the last four? Yeah. No, they win the last four. You're talking probably Outback and maybe Citrus. Really? 
Yeah, if okay. we go. All right, we can get there. We'll I mean, we go. We go eight and four and finish out beating all, an Auburn team that's, that looks great, and you know, a, maybe an SEC, ACC, Coastal, or whatever champion, whatever division Texas in. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're but, but still, let's get. We're we getting way ahead of ourselves. Yeah, we have Kentucky, uh, and in all likelihood, our our upside of our bowls right now are that that group of bowls that include the Tax Slayer, the Outback, the Belk, um, Liberty, and. Uh, music city so having said all of that kind of where this game is going to go depends on stuff that's we've said all week is or it's said all season how much our offensive line can help out the running game because kentucky's running game run defense is not that great they're ranked ninth in the sec right they're giving up four and a half yards of carry um they're pretty decent on third down but if you get too cute they'll uh They'll get you. I mean, they like short, like third and medium, uh, like you know, four to six yards and four and long. They're only giving they're giving it less than two yards of carry. What I'm worried about is our run, run, pass, punt scenario that we can, we tend to get into. We it happens seven times against Florida because if you look at the top ten of sack leaders in the SEC, you've got or Kentucky's got Josh Allen and Denzel Ware with a combined eleven sacks. Yeah, no, they're they're tough. And they're tough on, on standard passing up downs. Front. Yeah. But they are look the 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 tape on their defense is that they are they're talented but thin, young and thin. I got you. So I think there's going to be a lot of frustration in the first half, honestly, for Georgia. On both Georgia and Kentucky? well, for Georgia because yeah. I I think I mean the key defensively for us is to keep the game close. I mean I think we can do that defensively because I think I, I and I think it's the same game plan we saw last week. We just weren't able to execute it because of special teams. Is that the plan was we were going to wear them out and dominate in the second half with a run game. And we, we didn't. I think that's where you saw all the run, run, pass. Mm-hmm. I'm cool with run, run, pass as long as there's some creativity in it. We can't do two or three runs up the middle, see that they're not working, and say, you know, maybe we'll go back to this well. Mm-hmm. You've got to start running stretch plays. Love Aaron Davis. I, I don't know why we ever run a chest sweep with him when you have I mean, Isaiah McKenzie on the sideline. or Aaron number, Davis. Not Aaron Davis. <laughs> he wears 35 on defense. You mean Brian Herring? No, 81. Um, Reggie Davis? Yes, okay. Reggie Davis. Okay. Again, I love Reggie. Okay. But you it seems it seems a little wasteful to run that stretch play. It was it looked so predictable. I mean, it was almost like I even was able to predict the play that they were going to hand that off because it was just so it's almost like a non-trick trick play. Because yeah. it's McKenzie that's usually doing it, it's like, "Oh, okay, we're going to put our other speedster in." Well, you know, if you go back and look at but if you go back and look at a couple of those plays, Again, it starts and ends with poor blocking on the end with the with not on the ends with the with the tackles. That play got blown up because Catalina missed a block. Uh, there was another play earlier that got blown up because um, whoever's on the other other tackle spot, uh, Sims, got blown up. And, and when you have basically linebackers just swarming over these guys and, and pushing them back, you can't do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why I get back to the. You know, I'm I'm fine if we run up the middle some early. I really am, but we can't we can't project that that's all we're going to do, and then not try to bump outside, not try to do things. I mean, we had a lot of successful stretch plays, and it's really surprising to me that we didn't run. We ran so few stretch plays against Florida. We ran no pistol. We ran so few running plays out shotgun. We, we started projecting what we were going to do, and then we just lo and behold, we went ahead and did it. Maybe it's going to be you know since Florida's like the number one rush defense almost in the country, if not I mean not only the SEC but no they're the number two defense uh, yardage wise in the nation. Maybe it'll be kind of like when you're in the on deck circle, right. and you're swinging the heavy bat with the donut on it, and then you go up to the plate and you swing the lighter bat because Kentucky's ranked ninth. When you go up against the number one SEC defense and just get destroyed up front, well then the ninth ranked defense might feel a little bit different, like swinging that lighter bat after you get out of the on deck circle. Well, one of the things that Kentucky does, and, and there here's a, if we can get out of the mindset that we can't run screen plays anymore, uh, screen passes anymore, um, <laughs> they they will get aggressive. I mean, they are because of those those two guys you talked about. They are they will bring the house on any down. You give Easton the opportunity to check into a screen pass, especially where you can isolate someone like Chubb or Michelle or heck even Azanada outside with a couple of blockers and you know basically 
that ball carrier gets one-on-one with a cornerback, I like my odds there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the key is, is the rest of the offensive line, every time we run a screen pass, which hadn't executed well. I mean, we either project the screen pass or we let people go too fast, and next thing you know, Easton's running for his life. Uh, and we'll get to Easton running for his life in a minute. But, I mean, there is success to be had there on screen passes. Um you know, and, and again, I think the key to this from from the running the ball perspective is is making them work a lot early in the game and running up the middle is not what I have in mind there. Making these guys flex out, having to fend multiple gaps and um, really stretching the defense, uh, the front six out a lot. I mean, their their secondary is pretty good. Um, you know, they they have a pretty good cover secondary. Um, they're not spectacular they don't have the quality athletes that that florida has but we don't have the quality receivers to get open well i think i think you're right i mean we we ran but we had several plays where we had people open but you know i mean the long pass play um where godwin yeah to godwin where easton's uh, rolled out to his right and basically i mean that was that was going to be there regardless of whether or not easton was getting pounded or not because he um he's um, it was a perfectly designed play it was open and the only reason Godwin didn't score a touchdown is that Easton wasn't able to set his feet he he threw that was all arm throw it was a 40 yard throw with nothing but arm right um it was a, it was a good throw considering his circumstances mm-hmm. offensively I, you know I think you I think you unleash Easton a little bit let him roll because he looked better rolling right I tweeted that. I, I think he did. You know, for him to freelance, it almost looks like he's more comfortable just getting either. And he can he can roll left or right. Doesn't matter to him because if he throw if he rolls left, he's going to kind of sidearm it and just kind of sling it like. And it looks a lot like Matthew Stafford. Yeah, where he just kind of flings it. And even Gary Danielson was commenting that he you know, kind of chuckling to himself. He couldn't believe that he completed. It was a little flat pass to Nauta where he got outside of the pocket and just flung it. And it was right there on the sideline. He caught it, and he was making a comment on just kind of chuckling to himself. Wow, his arm strength is really showing off just right there, and how he's not even set and just gets it out there on a bullet. Well, I mean, think about the play where he throws the ball and hits the pylon. <laughs> that was the best. They they replayed that about two or three times. It was a spectacular CBS. throw. And if CBS had pylon cam, which is the greatest camera uh, angle CBS, in the world, CBS's fault. Then that would be one of those videos you'd be watching over and over. Um, talking. More about the offense. I think one of the biggest, I guess, 800-pound gorillas in the room, no pun intended, is the talk about Jim Chaney. There's a lot of talk going on. Right. I, you know, I know that uh, uh, there's another podcast that did uh, – that was their title of their podcast this week. And I know we kind of mentioned it. I thought, again, about, okay, you know, it's, it's, it has a lot to do with his play calling. It has a lot to do with personnel. But the last thing that Georgia can afford to do is – go through its third offensive coordinator in three years. I, yeah, I, I can't disagree with that. You know, we have, it's easy to say to lay a lot of the blame at Cheney's feet. And his play calling has been difficult at times. Um, and and I, I tweeted last week, I don't know whether this is a result of adherence to philosophy or inability to recognize that plays don't run. The, aren't, the plays you run aren't working. And either way, it's not great. But, you know, if you have a long-term payoff, and I, you know, today, I choose to believe it's a long-term payoff thing, that they, that Cheney, uh, working with Smart, has decided this is the team we're going to do because we want to be able to show here's where you're going to play big and here's where you're going to play. Here's who we are. And then two years from now or a year from now or two years from now, you, you're actually, you see the fruits of that labor. But really against North Carolina where we look, we're mixed up the power looks with some of the stretch plays. And that was purely to take the pressure off Eason, right? Because the idea in, in North Carolina's defense hasn't looked great. It's better than, better than some we've seen. I'm, I'm thinking Missouri right now. Um, but I think there has come a point where we are putting probably a little, a little too much on Cheney and not enough on personnel. Now, having said all of that, uh, and we'll get to special teams in a minute, it is telling to me that people are still giving our offensive line coach a pass when a competent offensive line changes the whole tenor of the season. That's right. I don't Six think there's any two. doubt about that. Six and two. Yeah, that's completely right. We still lose Ole Miss, and we still lose – Probably will still lose Florida. Probably. Yeah. Probably. Because it, the game plan against Florida was we're going to run the ball until you stop us. And then once that happened, we realized we also didn't have the horses to pass block for Eason, and then we were sunk. Right. So, you know, even if only, if, if only Colton Houston had a seventh year of eligibility this year. 
you know, if he only had, he's my favorite Donna recruit. That's a true story. And, um, the, uh, you know, but, you know, getting back to what we, what we want to do defensively is, you know, they're going to wildcat the crap out of us. I don't really have that much of a beef defensively. They, no, they kept I, us in that Florida game. Yeah, no, and, I, and you know, people are going to harp on the ninety-five percent thing, but when Florida's starting every drive on their own forty-five, yeah, you know, what do you expect? You yeah, know, there was there was no time in that game where they started on the fifteen. No, our de- our defense has kept us in the game. Here's the thing, though, that scares me is that. I worry a little bit that running out of the Wildcat that because of such a different look that we're going to struggle a little bit in the same way we did against Ole Miss because it's a different look. And the key to defending the Wildcats, you maintain, you, you control your lanes and you make them make a mistake, right? You make, basically what you're doing is you're making the, the ball, the, the quote unquote quarterback, the Wildcat, make a bad decision with the ball, mm-hmm. right? You're making him keep the ball when he should get rid of it. Similar to Georgia Tech's offense? Right. Similar to Georgia Tech's offense, except for it's run, instead of run by a quarterback hybrid, it's run by a true running back. Right. That's probably going to be Benny Snell. Um, Boom Williams is going to be the pitch guy on that play a lot. To me, I don't know. I think you still have to stop that play. You know what? If you basically, I, I'm, I'm, throw to beat you. I am okay with putting DeAndre Baker and fill in the blank uh, as long as I'm not going to perish. And putting them on an island with their wide receivers and bringing the house in those situations. Basically, you, you put a spy on the Wildcat, you put a spy on the running back, and then everyone else just pushes upfield. I'm fine with that. Because that's going to, long term, that's going to have more payoff and against less downside. The other thing is um, they're giving up a fair number of sacks. Matter of fact, probably second most in the conference, if I remember right. I'm okay with us getting aggressive, especially in that robber rat look with uh, where, where we had Sanders playing over the top. He jumped around. That was not a great throw, but it was a really, really nice play because that is a Nick Saban staple. That I mean, that play is ripped right out of the Alabama playbook. I thought they, once he did that in the first series, it was like, we're going to see a couple of these today. I kind of had that feeling. They didn't throw back over the middle. Yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, the only time they went back over the middle is when they were doing. Um, they didn't do much. That's no, the yeah, the only time they went back over the middle is when they were doing quick ends to Callaway. Yeah, that's that's it. We did. They did nothing mid, medium and deep over the middle yeah. after that. I mean, we have opportunity to get some picks on that robber uh, that rat look, um, where you you basically run that that safety is a true free safety deep who's playing the middle of the field and is basically reading reading the quarterback and seeing where he's throwing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but even in that look, bring the house. I mean, are you going to be yelling that from the band section? Where you're going to be yes, saying? I'm going to yell it when I get off the bus. What, what did you think when you heard the uh, calling of the dogs to start the last podcast episode? That was pretty cool. I, and that's exactly why. That's exactly why I recorded it. Uh, I recorded some other audio. Uh, and hey, much thanks to Amber and Pierce uh, and all the guys that hosted us up there at the public bar. That was a lot of fun, man. It sounded it was, like a lot of fun. It was good to be around dog people. I'd have been pretty in bad shape if I'd been at a hotel by myself or in you know the general public. Um, that mini bar would have gotten. Torched. It would have been not good. You would have uh, gone Brett Belima. Yeah, I'd gone Brett Belima. I've been Brett Belima at Vegas on that thing, all in. So, um, <laughs> so you said you, you mentioned the special teams, and I'll did inter- I mention special teams because did, I really didn't want did. to. And, and I'll mention that I was. I'd heard, you know, I, I don't, I'm not much of a stat guy. I really don't get into stats. I don't really look at them. I feel like I need to sometimes for this podcast. And so I went on uh, secsports.com, the official SEC rankings and schedules and everything like that. And I clicked the little, little down arrow button. I was like, oh, let's go to special teams. Let's go to kicking and punting. And then it lists all 14 teams for kicking and it lists all 14 teams for punting. And Georgia is dead last, which I couldn't believe. Well, I can now, but they're dead last in punting at 38.02 average. Who's 13th in punting, though? I didn't even look. I was Kentucky so, is 13th in punting. Are they really? They are. Okay. Well, 30, then, 30, so, 30, 39.49. So we're going to have like, bad – so whoever gets whoever wins the field, field position on the first series of the game keeps it. I got some bad news. What? On kickoffs, they're doing much better. Okay. Well, that's not surprising. Oh, field goal percentage, 61.5. How does that sound? I choose to look at this as um, five of six. That's uh, that's Rodrigo's. Um, <laughs> the with, That's the William Hamm era being over. <laughs> oh, wait, wait. Let me interrupt you. While I'm on this whole SEC sports website, right on the front page, okay, there's six categories listed. Just, just close your eyes and – well, don't right. close your eyes. That's okay. kind of weird. But just envision what I'm saying. They've got pass yards. Rush yards, receiving yards, and then underneath they have sacks, interceptions, and tackles. And they have the first 
five guys with the school's logo next to their name for each category. Tony, how many teams are there in the SEC? 14. There were 13 different teams represented on those top five of those six divisions. One missing. Georgia. Yeah. I mean, it's just amazing. It's kind of the the microcosm of the season. Like, there's a Vanderbilt guy. I think it's Cunningham. Uh, that sounds or right. Something on there. But, you know, even a Missouri guy up there, zero Georgia players leading in, in the top five in any category that they list. Well, you know, I think that, look. That sucks. It, it sucks. <laughs> it, it does suck because we thought we were going to see such an incredible season out Chubb after that first well, game. What was it? What was it? You said that uh, there would be some growing pains, but we thought six and two is growing pains. Like, well, yeah. We well, I mean, I, I I thought nine and three was growing pains. I didn't mm-hmm. think you know struggling to get six and six. Right. Um. But it's also easy to see where six and six has always been on the table. If you're oh, if you if I you know. be realistic and thinking it about be, it, it could be two and whatever the math is. Well, two and six. Right. Look. I think we probably should have seen some of this riding on the wall when we started talking about a starting left tackle who was playing for Rhode Island last year. Yeah. Because a lot of people are are really quick to say, well, you can't blame, you can't blame past recruiting, blah, blah, blah. I'm sorry. Yeah. On the I mean, offensive line, you can. Hey, you know what? Wait till senior day happens this year and there's no seniors running out there. Unless well, no, we're a young team. We're a class. young team. That's right. But, but there should be. Offensive line in particular has been uh, – I, mean, I think is we've it, always it's been mainly concerned. Mainly attrition? Just things just didn't work out for some guys? Or Well, they, I mean, I think I think a couple of guys turned out not to be. I mean, that's what happens when you have – I think I don't know where I saw it. Now this is a stat I maybe I just made up, but you know, out of the nine or ten guys we've recruited over the past since thirteen, mm-hmm. um, something like five of them are no longer with the team. Right. Um, one of them is starting. Um, Cablano. Two of them starting. Cablano and Sims, and then the rest are just role players, which tells you that they didn't. I mean, there was some maybe some development issues last year. I, I you know, I. I'm not unwilling to say that's the case. Well, if you remember, Rob Sale was our O-line coach. I was about to say, I, I'm willing to lay some of that at Rob Sale. What has surprised me, surprised me is we have not seen improvement with Pittman. I thought we would see this offensive line improve over the course of the season, either because they were getting better or because we were starting to scheme around their deficiencies. Um, so one of the two things are happening there. We can't scheme around their deficiencies or we refuse to. And neither's good. Yeah, that's right. You know, special teams, one other little thing. You know, Austin McGinnis did kick a 51-yarder to beat Mississippi State, so they, you know, he's 9-12. But on kickoffs, they're allowing 20-yard fewer kickoff return yards per game and gaining 25 more kickoff yards per game on kickoff. That's a 45-yard swing over the course of a game. I mean, that's where that's where your hidden yards come in. Well, that's where your uh, that's that's where the game difference could happen. And, and if you remember, two years ago, McKenzie had a punt return and a kickoff return for a touchdown. Oh, I saw it in live in person. He was running right in my arms or <laughs> close. So who knows? Lately, good things have been happening up in Lexington for Georgia. So maybe maybe that's a good omen. Well, no, I mean, in, you know, we said last week if we get a special big special teams play, that could be a game changer for us. There just haven't been many game changing plays. This no, year. we haven't. We haven't had those game game changing plays. Yeah, you know, we get it. I think if we get a kick return, we're in good shape, or a punt returning, we're in good shape because I think it will be a field position game, especially the way both teams want to run the ball. Um, so you don't you don't see any kind of like well comfortable game into the fourth quarter. By Georgia. Oh, I would be awesome, but no, I don't. Know. Yeah, I don't see how. I mean, we just are offensively. We just don't. That's it not would, how we take, score. It would take some wacky plays to get that way. Yeah, I mean, we get we get a pick six. Let's say. I mean, but think about it. Sanders gets that t- that ball in for a touchdown. That changes the entire tenor of Florida game. Yeah. Right. Yeah, no, so you're right. I mean, we we have a pick six for return for a touchdown, or we return a punt for a touchdown, or kickoff for a touchdown, or we we block a punt. I don't know. Keep naming um, things. Keep naming naming Maybe good things. Happen. Naming good happen. things. Yeah. Um, you know, um, no, you know Chubb, best... Chubb runs for two hundred fourteen yards and Sony for one hundred and forty. Well, so. speaking speaking of them, did you see the Seth Emerson article? Yeah, they they had a meeting with Cheney. Yeah, they yeah, had a, and and Chubb was quoted as saying it's kind of embarrassing how it's gone lately. Yeah, no, with, that... with well, with the, in regards to the Florida game and everything. But but one thing that I liked hearing is as I continue to read his quotes in in the article was that. They basically made promises to each other, Michelle and, and Chubb. And remember, happen, we, don't, yeah. we don't have any senior leadership. So basically, they're, they are the senior leaders, and right. they should be. They're respected uh, 
you know, and, and from what they've done in their past couple of years, but they said they've made things, made promises to get things rolling. And mm-hmm. I think that might, who knows, maybe that's the catalyst of Sony and Nick and Nick's not a vocal guy, but no. you know, he, he might be vocal in the locker room. Yeah. Um, we just don't know if, if you could see a strong, just effort runs. Like even if you get five, six, seven yards, but if you're busting a tackle and maybe it's an off tackle play, maybe it's a sweep instead of that up the middle, that could be the secret salve to kind of get things going. And then maybe we start rolling downhill. I'm kind of talking and, you know, uh, coach big cliche. Yeah. Co- cliches yeah those, and the standard yeah. frontier gibberish. I like it. Um, but yeah, I'm begging. I'm begging. Yeah, I think that's right. I think we're all begging though. Yeah. I think we're all begging. Yeah, we're I all mean, begging. we all keep, we're, we're coming up with these fantastical, not really Sounds fantastical, right? But we come up with these fantastical, you know, scenarios that aren't really that fantastical because we've all seen it happen, right. which is not the season. No, no. I mean, I, and, turned, and, I, mean, I turned the game off in the third quarter yeah. because I knew how it was going to end. Yeah. And, you know, here's the thing about it. And four and four, blah, blah, blah. You know, I mean, would you feel any, I, I wouldn't feel any better if we were five and three, but had beaten, had had held Vanderbilt off instead. Well, I, I would because we'd, we'd be saying, okay, we're kind of at the Jim, Don, and Mark Rick level because they typically lose the teams we lost to. Yeah, but that works on the I'm, – I'm, I'm kind of glad we went here because this is something I want to talk about. That, that gets back to the zero-sum game, right? We're no Did different. I do something wrong? No, not at all. No, not at all. You brought up a point that okay. I wanted to make, though, is that we're not – at 4-4, four four, we're no different team than we would be if we were 6-2. and two. Right. Right? I mean, yeah. we're not. We've been, been luckier. We've been luckier. We we you know we'd have gutted we, some, well, something yeah, out I mean, it, right. It's, it's 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 easy. It's two plays. It's, you, it's two plays. It's the Tennessee Tennessee. Uh, you knock the pass down against knock Tennessee, the pass down, then get the fourth and, and one. get the fourth and one. That's and then, exactly right. Score. Well, or or you don't let you don't let Vanderbilt drive down and score. Oh, it was a so. screen pass to right. Ralph Webb. That's right. Stop that. You stop that screen pass. And then you win the on third and nineteen. Yeah, that was like was Grantham in the building or something. Yeah, it really felt like Grantham. It felt very Granthamy. So, but again, that doesn't change what this team has been, which is a middle of the road. A, a middle of the road college football team that is in the very bottom of the middle tier of the SEC, and that has everything to do with. And I hate to say young quarterback because that makes it sound like it's that's the beginning end of it, but it has everything to do with young quarterback, new coach, some deficiencies at key positions, deficiencies at key positions, and uh, special teams that can't seem to get out of their own way. And that's how you end up four and four. Well, I mean, we it's were, a recipe for four and four. We were eight and five in two thousand one with a young quarterback and a rookie head coach. Sure, but we also had we had a spectacular defense, and it's not now that we have a bad defense, but we have a spectacular defense. And the offensive line actually was pretty decent too. I can't remember that far back yeah. about like the details. Yeah, but we, our offensive line was pretty good. Actually, this looks a lot like two thousand ten. Where we had a young quarterback in a bad offensive line, <laughs> yeah, right? Six and seven, yeah. Right, six and seven. Um, so you know, having said all of that, we, I, I, I feel, I feel okay about this game. I just, again, you know, I saw one thing I wanted to see against Florida, which is we showed up to play. And when I say we showed up to play, the players didn't quit. The players didn't like right. other than Greg. No, you Pike, didn't see any. Like, you know, Greg Pike jumped off sides, but he's like, oh, just whatever. God Almighty, <laughs> does he do that every year? Stop doing that. It's like he's almost become the. I don't know the 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 memorial winner of whoever it is. Um, who was used to jump off sides all the time? I can't think of who it was. Russ Tanner. I don't know. <laughs> not Russ Tanner. He's uh, not listening. He's looking. Yeah, yeah. But uh, nah, whoever it was, I can't remember who it was. Um, not Trent Start event. Love you, Trent. You know, I think maybe we can name an award after Greg Pike jumping off the all sides award. <laughs> but the the fact of the matter is, we we at some point you you hope you stop making those mistakes, and that stuff is on coaching. That the sort of details like that that stuff is on coaching. So, um, do you feel better? Yeah, I'm a little rant. Feels Thanks. Like, feels like you kind of got, got some got stuff some, out. Got some stuff out. This we'll, we'll talk about a few things. So, I have a question for you. Have you ever been to Kentucky? Have you ever been to the, the Kentucky game? I was at the Corey Phillips game. Really? Yes. Jennifer was with me. We'd gone up there, and uh, we went in an RV up there with some fraternity brothers of mine, and it was cold. That's right. I remember it was very cold. It was during, it was a day game, and he went off. This is probably going to be the warmest George oh, Kentucky easy. game I've ever been to. It's going to be in the kickoff. It's going to like be in the lower 60s. No, it's going to be in the lower 60s. Lower <laughs> Based upper on what 60s. we've had. Yeah. Lower upper 60s falling into the 50s. No, Lexington's, I tell you, if, if y'all have never been to a Georgia-Kentucky game, it is one of the easiest drives you'll make. You go up through Chattanooga, Knoxville, 
and then two hours later you're in Lexington. Yeah, it's, it's six and a half hours at the most. It's a lot of fun. Who was it? Andy Caps maybe tweeted at us about the we we had some. So are we done talking? Pre-game? Yeah, well, okay. yeah, we're so done. We yeah, can we can like go into transition mode a little bit because one thing I wanted to do was we got I don't want to say we got a lot of questions, but we got a couple questions on the Twitterverse. Yes. Uh, wanting us to answer that. And so let me scroll back through. Dun, 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 dun. Um, Alexander Pierre, who follows us, he's out in California. That's yeah, man. pretty cool. Like he it. said, I think a good addition to the podcast would be answering Twitter questions. I prefer that to picks. Well, Alexander, we're still going to do the picks, but we will answer your questions. So then I didn't respond. I didn't say that. He just sent another follow-up Twitter message. He says, at WSLS Podcast, is there anything that would make you concerned about the direction of the program? We look poorly coached and unprepared. Didn't we just answer that? Well, I, I mean, I think the one thing I would add is that not eight games into the, the first season under Kirby Smart. Right. I mean, if this were still Mark look, Rick. Look, we, yeah, if it's still Mark Rick. But here's the thing, and this is, this is the downside. And thanks for, by the way, thanks for tweeting us, but this is the downside of Twitter. <laughs> Um, of social media, of the on-demand thing, right? I, I mean, we used to be, even 20 years ago, you had your network you talked to, and generally it was like either folks you worked with, folks you went to church with, folks you whatever. And we would talk within our circle. We would wear ourselves out at, on you know Sunday at, at, at Sunday school or wear ourselves out Monday at work, and then we had another game. Right. Right now, it's a twenty-four hour. We have an entire apparatus telling us how much we suck or how much how good we are. With you know ESPN with twenty-four hour content, the con the conference has its own network, and we have um, basically a paid Alabama shill as the head. What's your What's your opinion on Greg McElroy as an analyst? Boy, that guy, he has great hair, and um, but you know that that's that's part of the problem. That, I, I think can that's do part without of, him. Yeah, yeah. I think, but that's part of the problem, right? Is it? We, we view it as a zero-sum game because everybody's telling us this is a zero-sum game. My concern with the direction of the program has more to do with whether or not we would make changes after one year just because we, didn't, we don't make a bowl game or because we don't, quote-unquote, look like Georgia ought to look because that's a concern. That's when we get into the, oh, my God, we're never going to develop consistency because we demand to win now. I agree. Thank you for the question. Yes, thank you for the question. We had one more. Actually, it wasn't really. That was Andy Cap. I just looked. Yeah, he's the guy that's come to Lexington. So okay, so he was wondering if any of us were going to Lexington. Yes, and of course yes. you're always the. I'm going one to Lexington. Going to, <laughs> I, and yeah, after, I'm going. Actually, I'm going with uh, Bernie Dog. Bernie Dog and his wife. Um, actually, a good friend of mine named Paul, who is a huge Cubs fan, who I, right now I have to assume is is huddled under a blue blanket somewhere in central Illinois, score. freaking out. It's one-to-one. Oh, and cool, uh, cool. freaking out um, is going to drive down from, from Illinois. Uh, and and Wayne, well, Wayne, uh, tailgate husband Wayne, is going to be coming up too. You know, I didn't plan this, but and you didn't either, but Bernie Dog just tweeted us like six seconds ago. Oh, cool. Yeah, he's, he's, he says, he's probably listening. Well, he's listening live <laughs> somehow. <laughs> Chris, you downstairs. Come on up. <laughs> he, uh, he said, so does the next episode air at the end of the third or during the seventh inning stretch? Hashtag World Series, hashtag WSLS. That's pretty, that's pretty funny. That's actually, that's really good. So I think it's cute. That he went on Wikipedia to look that up. He doesn't know what baseball <laughs> terms are. That's right. that's right. So I guess now what we'll do is we'll get into our I college football in picks. picks. Let's make it happen. Rush. Let's, we're uh, Yeah, we won't rush him. We'll, we're only going to take about an hour. There's, and, no, there's um, no Thursday games, so that's good. That's correct. Those, those take forever to pick. Yes. All right. <laughs> let's, let's make this happen. All right. So first game, I haven't put in these in any kind of order. Let me hold on. Let me move the Georgia game to last. I've done that. Let me let okay. me go ahead and say Navy. <laughs> okay. So Notre Dame is at Navy. Notre Dame's favored by a touchdown. That game is actually in Jacksonville. Oh. At Everbank. Yeah. Really? It is. That's awesome. It is. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Sure. Now that we now we yeah because that, you know there's nothing Notre like Dame needs to recruit down there. There's nothing. There's nothing. Well, and there's a huge naval oh, naval base. Yeah, dumb. But there's dumb, nothing that makes yeah. me think about uh, syphilis like Notre Dame and Navy. So in Jacksonville. Wow. So uh, I was thinking scurvy. Scurvy too. Scurvy. <laughs> it's the same, right? Isn't the same. No. You get it from eating bad oranges, <laughs> limes, or, or something. <laughs> Navy. Okay, I'm going to pick Navy just out of pure cause and and the fact that they represent the military. Notre Dame represents just terrible football teams. Evil. Worse than us. Evil. Um, here's an interesting one. 
Mississippi. <laughs> Georgia Southern at Ole Miss. Ole Miss I am needs this game. Officially, I am officially off the Georgia Southern bandwagon. I picked them, and they're just been four and four. Yeah. Well, that's strange though, because uh, we're four and four also, and I think there's some other. What Mark Richt is four and four, and. Mike Bobo's four and four. Yeah, it's funny. I haven't gotten many, hey, what do you think about Mark Rick now mentions in the last four weeks? Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with Ole Miss as well. Chad Kelly, man. I mean, setting records last week, breaking Archie Manning's record and yeah, passing them, yeah. losing to Auburn because Auburn's running backs just are still running for first downs. On oh, yeah. That's, there's that one guy. I didn't see many of those land shark defense uh, emblems. Yeah. They, have, they seriously did give up like, what, 400 like yards. 95 yards. Yeah, the Gus bus yeah. is – They've it's rolling. Transmission changed. Uh, Texas A&M at Mississippi State. This is an easy one. A&M. A&M. What did you think of them being ranked fourth in the first college football playoff selection? Jumping. Uh, I don't know. There's. I mean, is they don't have body clock issues. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think. I, I don't think they should release. A, I don't think it's they should dumb. release anything until at the, yeah. no earlier than the the like the next to last or third to last week. Well, it's the, the same season. reason they shouldn't release but for, a preseason but it's, for, it's, it's for TV, it's for, it's for TV well, content. Because 12 so. of those teams, like I said last week, are not even ranked <clears throat> It's for yeah. in the preseason. Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting, but, you know, whatever. Whatever. Uh, Vandy at Auburn. <laughs> Auburn. Auburn. Auburn's big on that. It's amazing that, that Les Miles got fired and his team didn't lose to really any bad teams. Yeah. Wisconsin's good and Auburn's yeah. good. Well, you know. That's LSU problems right there. That is LSU problems. Georgia Tech <clears throat> at North Carolina. Two common opponents for Georgia this year. I, I'm picking the Tar Heels really because they're at home. Yeah, I'll do the same. Plus, I like Larry Fedora's beard. I like his hat. I like the hat that's named after him. <laughs> Florida at Arkansas. Woo. I, you know. This after, could be a slip-up game for Florida. Yeah, and that's that's a funny thing about it is that you 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 look at what Florida does very well. And they are really good at defense. You look at what they do offensively. They are really not good at anything offense. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm picking Arkansas because it's a road game. And it had, it had, this has all the feelings of one of those, I can't believe we just watch what we watch games. And it it should be because it involves Brett Belima. I agree. I'm going to pick Arkansas. Yeah. Missouri at two and six. Wow, we thought they were good when they played us. Like their defense, they did. They played I think good we hoped. Us. I think we were hoping. Yeah, they're two and six. They're at uh, South Carolina. South Carolina. South Carolina by seven and a half. I'm going to pick South Carolina as well. By the way, since we said the word Missouri, Will grew up in Illinois, which is adjacent to Missouri. It is. I just got a text from Will and an audio file. Will is the man. Game seven, Progressive Field. The World Series. Should we do it now or after the picks? Let's do it after. We'll do it after the picks. Okay. So, yeah. Stay tuned for Will live from Jacobs Field. Progressive. Progressive. Whatever. All right. He's he's there at game seven. Iowa at Penn State. Man. You know, I, I really want to pick Iowa in this game. I really do. But, again, this is one of those home team advantage things. Penn State's riding high. Let's let them keep Jim Franklin for a little bit, right? Yeah. Little Jamie Franklin's done okay. Yeah, he's not coming back to Vanderbilt. I'm picking Penn State. Yeah, I'll I'll pick Penn State as well. Alabama at LSU, the 8 o'clock CBS Vern Lundquist-Gary Danielson special. They're going to have to keep Vern awake. i tell you why. If if, if LSU wins this game, that's Ed Orgeron's job, right? It's got to be. I mean, he's getting that job. It's got to be. I think if they play him. They've scored 40 points in every game that he's coached. I think if they play Alabama really close and, and and stretch Alabama out, it's probably his job. You know, another thing. If they whoop Alabama, they might be a five and two team in the top four of the playoff when this season ends up. Well, I mean, think about remember it. LSU lost two games and lost to Kentucky and won the national championship. Uh-huh. That's the thing yeah, that happened. And that was 97. That's the thing that happened. Yeah. That so really did happen. I'm going to pick Alabama. You can't pick against them. Yeah. I'm picking Alabama. Uh, Nebraska at Ohio state. Nebraska's fairy tale season got crushed, crushed last week. Crushing to the ground. Um, but they're seven and one. And so is Ohio state. Yeah, I'm still picking Ohio State. Is that a game day? That's ah, a sucker bet. I don't. I have no idea. I don't. I don't keep up with game day anymore. I'm, I'm not. It was okay at two hours. It was great at one hour. It was okay at two <laughs> that hours. Was three at three hours. It's just like I don't care. Yeah, I love college football. I don't love college football personalities. What's all the Tom Rinaldi and Gene Wojciechowski pieces, and then David Pollock? You know, and- yeah, who needs to eat a cheeseburger? <laughs> I'm going to pick Ohio State. Yeah, picking Ohio State. Georgia. At four and four, 
rolls into Commonwealth Stadium. Kentucky is riding high at 5-3 and three after taking down Missouri last week. Tony Waller will be there with a traveling troop, it sounds like. There's a crew of us. Um, and and if you're interested in joining us for tailgate or just stopping by for you, a cold drink. T- tell me real quickly, and I mean quickly. When I say quickly, I mean 30 seconds, about your chicken experience. So we uh, – anybody looks at me, you know I like food. And uh, I decided I'm in, I, I want fried chicken. So I did a little research. What's the best fried chicken in Lexington? I found out there's a grocery store in Lexington, in Kentucky called Save-A-Lot. And it's apparently it's a chain, but they have the best fried chicken in the state of Kentucky. And this isn't like, I mean, there's a, some food bloggers that say this. It's on Reddit. There's a place called Kentucky Fried Chicken. Isn't that the best chicken in Kentucky? That would be a no. <laughs> that would be a no. They got good commercials. They have good commercials. That's about what they have. Uh, so that's what we're having. We're having chicken. So if you're interested in coming by, just you know, tweet at me. That's fine. At Tyler Dogden. So what um, do you think is going to happen when you show up there? So here's the thing. If we play the same special teams game we played last week, but don't make mis- like terrible mistakes, um, we played our strength, especially play. If something works, a play works, we run it. Right. And keep running it. Um, we're disciplined on the defensive front and get aggressive at times, but especially disciplined in wildcat looks and use the short passing game to open up the, the running game. I think we win. And that's why I think we win. I mean, I think like Georgia is, this isn't a game where, you know, if both teams play an average game, I think Kentucky has to play a better game than Georgia to beat Kentucky, um, which is why I think Georgia wins. You seem deep in thought. I'm trying to look. There we are. Okay, here's my prediction. The year was 2009. Mark Richt was head coach. Georgia went 8-5 and five that year, 4-4 four and four in the SEC. Joe Cox was our quarterback. We played Kentucky in Athens. We did. And we that was the last time we lost to Kentucky in Athens. The score of that game was 34 to 27, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. I think Georgia is going to go up to Lexington, and there's going to be a very similar feel to what we felt for the past, what, four out of five games. Nine so weeks. I'm not talking about the South Carolina game. Right. Even though that game was close, and it was really not as close as it, as it looked because uh, Terry Godwin took that, what do you call it, onside kickback. Yeah. So um, I think Kentucky is going to beat Georgia by a slim margin. Wow. Picked against the dogs. That's We disagree. I'm not happy about it, but, you know, hey. I mean, I was right last week. You were right last week, the only one that was. Yeah. It's not going to be pretty, and we're going to be sitting at four and five, scratching our heads if we're going to make the ball <laughs> yes. game. All right. Well, there you have sorry. it. Sorry. I mean, I'm sorry to leave. Now, so do you have, did, here's the thing. Do you, do you have questions? I don't have any questions. Okay, good. No. I don't no. know if you had no, questions. That, that no, that adds a lot. You know, it, yeah. Okay. I for a while we did three questions with Tony, which I enjoyed, but it added about twenty minutes to this podcast, and I have to edit this thing, and so I'm doing it for <laughs> selfish reasons by not having. Maybe maybe we'll bring it back. But what's more important so far? Tony's picked Georgia. To yes. Win. I have picked Kentucky to win, and I'm not happy about it. Uh, but I am picking them to win. We have one more co-host on this podcast. He's not here. He's in like some place called the World Series at Game Seven, but. I texted him right when we started recording this podcast, asking him if, if he could record something while he's sitting in the press box at Progressive Field. And by gosh, Will came through and look at his text, what he said when he sent it. Whammo. Whammo. I'm assuming, I'm assuming Cleveland hit the whatever happened there. That, that was probably when Cleveland. What's the score real quick? One all. One all. What inning? Uh, doesn't say here. Top of the instant progress, bottom of third. So he probably did this in the second inning of the game. All right, so this is – I have not previewed this. This is Will Leach. It is a minute and four seconds long. The world premiere voice memo of Will Leach at World Series Game 7. Hello, this is Will Leach live from the press box. Game 7 of the World Series is the bottom of the second inning. Currently, the Chicago Demon Cubs – the sainted Cleveland Indians one to nothing. Now, when the rest of you hear this, you will know whether or not the Earth has careened off its axis and crashed into the sun in the shadow of the One World Series. If the Cubs have lost, like humanity demands they will, then we will all survive this day together and look forward to a brighter future and a greater America. Anyway... 
Washington Cubs be ahead in the World Series may be the only thing that's more depressing than watching Georgia football right now. But nevertheless, I still do not see them actually losing to Kentucky. <coughs> also, I think I've got like four games in a row wrong. Anyway, <laughs> Scott, Tony, miss you guys. Go Indians. And yes, go dogs. He is such a professional. It's so spectacular. By the way, right after he recorded that, he texts us Wemo, and uh, apparently is when Cleveland tied the ball. Maybe that's a good omen. It's a good omen. It's a good omen. omen. He picked the the Indians and the dogs. And I guess I shouldn't feel bad, because I was starting to feel bad, like I was putting words in his mouth at the beginning of this podcast. He kind of summed it up right there. He hates the Cubs. (laughs) No, he to say he doesn't like the Cubs is a misstatement. (laughs) And I think think it's right. I think he hates the Cubs. I respect that. In fact, I love that. He hates the Cubs in the same way that we hate Florida Gators. We had that that debate last year, and that's another great off-season topic. But uh, still, well, there you have it, Scott. Um, Will and I think Georgia wins. Scott thinks Georgia loses. but uh, as you had it, by the way, go ahead and go and get your uh, fun free office pool picks in uh, a quick look at the standings um, after week 10. Gosh, it's hard to believe we're that far along. Who do you have there in the lead, Scott? Lone Stranger. No, no, no I've know. got George Monkey, which I love the name. George Monkey. By the way, <laughs> look who's second. South Carolina Gamecock. Yes. Do you know that guy? I don't, but... I, I, I can't get over George Monkey as a name. That's a great name. Uh, J.A. Heigl is his fourth. He was like in the lead all of last year. There's no UGA carry to be found. Yeah, Hunk and Gristle's doing all right, too. Will Leach is doing all right at 29, and I am uh, 81st. I'm moving up. I'm 52nd, so... Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much out of it. Yeah, and, and to give uh, give a quick shout-out, we're talking about, to, talking about Bernie Dog. He texted me a minute ago. I uh, said that he and I needed to go have a meeting with Cheney as well, um, but it's really just about omelets and sausage biscuits. So that's right. Uh, well, I'm sure he could give you an opinion, and you could you could give a counter opinion. I'm sure. I'm I'm pretty sure I'm happy to talk about omelets. So uh, and uh, so there you go. There you have it. Well, we appreciate y'all joining us uh, once again, and uh, as always, go dogs. Thanks so much for listening. And even though I picked Kentucky to win, I truly hope I'm wrong. So don't hold that against me. (laughs) I've mentioned at times during this podcast that the three of us would greatly appreciate a rating and review via iTunes. Whenever we receive a review, I like to share it with y'all. The reasoning is twofold. On one hand, it's a way of saying thank you to those who've taken time to leave us feedback. And on the other hand, I'm hoping that it'll inspire some of you, some more of you, to take those few minutes knowing that if you do, you too will be honored by getting a shout out on this platform. It's not a huge platform, but you get the idea. So this week, we received a review, and I'd like to share it with you. It comes from JBJBJBJBDog, and I shortened that because he put JB like eight times. Anyway, he says, thanks a bunch, guys. I love your show. Simple. That's it. But we appreciate it. Thank you so much, JBDog. And a huge thanks goes out to Will, again, for including our show during such a historical baseball moment. Hopefully, Tony and I will have him back soon, sitting in a chair with us now that Major League Baseball is over. Hit us up on Twitter if you like. We're at WSLS Podcast. Have a great weekend. Go dogs, and we'll see you on campus next week. Take care.